Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe or hit the bell icon. I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Amar Sharani. Amar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Now, Pleasure to be with you. Yes. Hey, now, as a young team, Amar lived and dreamed uh, in and around Damascus, Syria. Uh, at a young age, he started to explore the world religions uh, for over 10 years and even subsequently served as a cleric. Uh, cleric. Also has an engineering degree at the University of Central Florida, um, did a president's program in leadership at Harvard, founded and co-founded and invested in over 30 startups, and one of the most fulfilling startups in his own view is a social enterprise where he pioneered in cost marketing, which generated over $300 million in annual sales for Fortune 50 clients. And that was over 25 years ago. He's currently the chairman of the Social Good Ventures, which aims to make 1 billion people happier by investing in companies that do well by doing good. Now, Amar also experienced a near-death experience followed by an 11-year deep dive into the meaning of life. Now, this resulted in him find, uh, founding Purposehood, a movement for people who want to discover and activate life in their existential purpose for a life of happiness, successful, and fulfillment, which resulted also in a book, uh, which was published in May 2020. Yes, that's the book. Hey, again, Amar, again, welcome to the show. Thank you now, so much. It's a very long introduction to your background and who you are. And based on what I've already shared with the audience, it alludes that a lot of things you have done in your life are very much influenced by how you started off. It, it seems to have a fundamental influence. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we all the products of uh, lots of things that happened to us in our past by choice or most of the time, not by choice, just by luck or sometimes by a curse. <laughs> but whatever it was, that's just part of the story. But I think also we're driven by more so if we decide by our future vision. So once we decide that, you know, the past does not govern what I do or who I am, then you can actually free yourself from that and start looking to what I would like to become. And that becomes your guiding star and, and the direction that drives who you actually could become. It does sound like these are also the, the lessons you've learned while studying the, the world's religions. Because then you're very conscious of having those type of thoughts and discussions with people. Yeah, I mean, my experience with religion, it's, uh, I would say like everything else, it's just an up and down. So on okay. the upside, it's... Uh, you realize that all religions actually they have a three common themes all of them you know uh, believing in something beyond yourself uh, wish for yourself what you wish for others so it's like a selfish altruism type of things and then a group with other people around shared purpose so that's like the nice side of it the negative side of all religions is the you know the institutions that create us versus them they operate like businesses. So, uh, you know, you got to create your own market. You need to control that market. You need to, you know, hype your products so people don't go to the other products and things like that. And I think that's, you know, the downside. They don't want you to think too much, you know, for yourself. 
because now you might change brands. <laughs> that's, that's, good, that's a nice way to looking at it. Yes. Now, I have so to actually. Be... So it's actually, it's a great. Uh, uh, it's a great place to train for business. You know, because uh, there's nothing more successful than 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 religion as a business. You know? Now you've made me curious. I'm going to come back to that statement <laughs> very soon, but I first want to come back to uh, a statement. Uh, I. I have seen you uh, share with people that you've once started to write down what are the wonderful things that happened to me that made this past year so great. Yeah, that's, I call it like the magical practice that I yes. do. I don't know how I stumbled on these things, but a long, long time ago. Yeah. It's like at the day, the way I do it, the day before my birthday, I just sit and I just write a list and I say, oh, you know, I, I do, I think about like what are the, I, I imagine that I am a year in advance. And then I say, oh, if I live like now we are in 2021. So I think about 2022 and I'm sitting at the end of 2022. And I say, what amazing things happened to me in that year. And you're just like, write wish list in a sense. And it's amazing. I was like, you know, it was just like a silly practice, but I then, started doing it uh, every year. And when you go back and you look at those lists, it's magical how many of these things actually end up happening. And some of them, they're, you know, like way out of my reach or, or the possibility what sounded at that time, but somehow uh, the, what I, I believe like when I tell people, I say, if there's a conspiracy theory that I believe in, I believe that the whole universe is conspiring to get you what you really want if you are very clear about it and if it's good for you and good for the world. That's also a cliffhanger for the second part of our discussion today, Amar. I very much like where this is going to. Because uh, you mentioned already that uh, being a clergy is a good experience to have uh, in business. So... That brings me to the question, uh, can you share how you transitioned from being a clergic to being an entrepreneur? Or was it always combined? Well, I mean, like I told you, I, I think if you, in a cynical way, I mean, obviously no clergy <coughs> like to think about religion as a business, but it is what it is. I mean, it's in reality, if you just uh, analyze all the aspects of a business, you have the same thing, you know, supplier, customers, uh, you know, market competitors and, and all the, the aspects of it. And also it's a, you know, it's a money-making machine for the organizations in there. Now that doesn't mean that people have, you know, ill wills. No, mm -hmm. lots of people, they get into religion with a good intentions. It just, that's the way the institution is, which I totally separate the institution from the, uh, the core of a religion itself. Because today we don't, nobody follows the original founder of any religion. We all follow, or all people follow interpretations. Somebody who interpreted the religion in a particular way and that becomes a sect and then everybody follows that. So the transition, I would say like, if, you, if you're curious enough, then you will learn uh, business lessons or actually life lessons from any experience that you have. So that's, for me, that's what it was. So trend, you know, going from that to business, it's, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. I was already like when I was in college, I already had started some businesses just to uh, small businesses, just to make some money and make a living. So by the time I finished engineering, I was already making more money that I would do as an engineer. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, just by doing business. And then from there, the, the, you know, working on that bigger concept for cause marketing. And then that became super success and changed uh, my direction in life. Yes, uh, as mentioned in introduction, you are a pioneer in cost marketing. Could you please give a definition? What is cost marketing? I mean, it was actually, it came out not like from a particular study or anything like that. I was on a board of a school in Orlando, Florida, and we wanted to raise money for the school. And they asked me to raise the money. And I'm like, you know, I hate asking people for, for donations, but what if we use our purchasing power and go negotiate with companies? like grocery stores and so on. And just say, if we buy from you as a community, will you be, instead of your competitors, will you be willing to give a small percentage back to the school? And uh, that led to a discussion that I had with AT&T and AT&T liked the idea, but they wanted, they don't want to do it just for one school. And they didn't want to work directly with a nonprofit. So they said, well, if you start a business and you do it nationwide, then we'll give you a contract and like okay how hard can that be <laughs> and then you know it was lots of hard work but at the end in uh, almost a year and a half we had like a thousand employees and we we're giving you know tens of millions of dollars to uh, 3,000 uh, ethnic schools in the U.S. Nice now does that make it a what you've set up a social enterprise or not? You know, th- that word did not exist at that time. You know, this is like 25 years ago, right? Nobody heard something called social. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe it existed, but I didn't know of anything of it. So no, you never thought about it this way. I'm, I always thought about business or uh, business in its essence is a social enterprise because you're hiring people, you're providing uh, uh, those people an opportunity to unleash their potential in that business, to learn, to help their families. Uh, You're uh, contributing to the society, you're contributing in our case also to causes. So it was just a partnership that you have anyway with the community, with uh, uh, a business like AT&T who supplier, you know, all the aspects, all the, the stakeholders of the business participate in something that will help them grow and help others grow. And now, do you call that social enterprise? Do you call that capitalism? I don't care what you call it. The label is irrelevant. As long as it's uh, good for you to grow and at the same time, it's not at the cost of anybody else. And if it's on the contrary, actually, it's helping other aspects, at least your employees and, and, and the community that you live in then call it whatever, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. But so if you define an enterprise as you just did and capitalism as did, looking at the very positive side of why it was set up originally, uh, then it makes sense. Then there's an alignment of what you are offering and uh, what any company should offer. Unfortunately, there are a lot of enterprises out there who do not take that approach, who do abuse their environment, who abuse... Um, uh, the people they employ. Uh, so has that in your experience led to conflicts where you said, well, hey, uh, I could offer you this, but uh, yet then uh, you're just abusing my service to whitewash something. Uh, you could say you're doing wrong somewhere else. So how do you balance that? Yeah, I, um, I think what you could do, I mean... Uh, 
Well, here, here's a lesson from religion <laughs> that can can uh, you can apply for business. So, like usually, a good clergy doesn't look at somebody like, a, for example, a sinner or or somebody they consider a sinner. They don't look at them. Oh, you're, you're a damned soul. You're going to hell. Get away from here and so on. You look at them as somebody who has a potential and lost their way. And maybe you can help them and guide them back to uh, doing good in the society. I think that we should that that approach. We should also deal with these companies. Okay. You know, if a company has every company has a potential of shifting from one direction to the other. So I think consumer or customers. I, I, I by the way I hate the word consumer. This is like uh, the word consumption. I just like it's such a negative customer so let's call it customer so you know customers have power and if customers and employees have power so like you heard with google for example the employees of google yeah. they protested or amazon they protested about certain practices that the company do so when you get uh, uh, employees and customers who are clear about their purpose then they can actually uh, help uh, companies make the right decisions so the idea is not just to start branding companies as enemies, but actually help those companies uh, who are misguided or they're just not making the right decision or they're not looking at things from a universal look about their impact, not just up, up on their bottom line, but about their long-term impact on society, on the environment, and just help them see the, the right way. And sometimes just getting the right uh, CEO, the right board, the right management uh, through customer and employee activism could change their direction. And that's what we want ultimately. We don't want just to sit and start making judgment and branding people as bad and they just cannot be redeemed. Good observation. So it's a discussion about um, stakeholders uh, versus shareholders. So make people aware you have a lot of stakeholders and you have to take care of them all. How often do you have this conversation in the boardrooms you attend? Uh, I'm blessed that most of the company that I'm invested in, that they see their action as part of a larger vision of, of uh, uh, what's happening in our world. Uh, but I, I could imagine, I mean, where sometimes you have some conflict uh, in there. And I think that's, that comes truly from people losing their way and not having uh, this existential purpose that they are clear about. If you know why you are on this earth and what you're put here to do and, and what's your purpose in existence and the purpose of your life, then these kind of problems, they kind of resolve themselves. You're not going to be uh, sacrificing your, the meaning of your life for immediate gains, you know? And that's, I think that's resolved the problem. So instead of like just having directly like confrontations about these issues, I mean, I, I usually like to start by helping people figuring out what's the purpose of their life. Once they have that direction, then somehow all the other issues resolve themselves. And that actually, by the way, applies for other uh, organizations such as, I mean, family. Mm -hmm. You know, the same thing that you have with conflicts in families, in, in, in friendship, in, in society, and in, in other organizations, not just businesses. 
So I think that most of the challenges that we see today is because of misalignment of uh, purposes. And once you know your purpose and you align it with the others toward the shared purpose, then you have a very powerful uh, capability to make something happen and something for the betterment of all. Got it. So in summary for this part, uh, what I'm hearing you say is basically any enterprise is a social enterprise or could be a social enterprise to a various degree. If they keep on uh, remembering, hey, what is the purpose of that organization? I think you and I once talked about this and we said there are two things basically for that that can change anyone to uh, uh, come up with a better name than social enterprise. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, it's like a, a positive enterprise. So, something that, uh, you know, what it is, it's, uh, it's like having a vision, having a longer vision of, yes. of this. If yes. you look at, if we're looking at, at uh, performance on quarterly basis, what can you do with that? But when you look at things that we are part of, you know, a hundred year uh, uh, effect on our community, on the people and so on, the longer the vision that you take, the more you become uh, connected with everything around you. You know, that's one side. It's not enough by itself. You need the second thing. You need intentions. So if you have the right intentions in, in the action that you do, then that would determine what kind of enterprise you have. In here, if you're like we spoke about, I guess, like we said, some, you know, some people, if you do a social enterprise, you know, if you're taking like this old lady across the street, helping her across the street, but your intention is, you know, that's, uh, you know, my grandma and I want her to put me in her will, you know, that's different than saying, I love my grandma, I wanna help her, I wanna take her in there. So that's the intention part of that. And, and it's important in the design of any enterprise, any social unit that we do. You've got to have that vision, but you need also to start with the right intentions. Got it. Hey, I'm going to move to the next topic, uh, Amar. And, and I like very much what you're saying now. Um, now, last May, you published your book, Purpose Source. You just showed it to the audience, but maybe you can show it again. <laughs> Here it is. Now. That's the result. It's, it's, it's a heavy read, you know. It's yes. like a 400 pages of practical philosophy. So it's, uh, it, it's, not, not, it's not rocket science. I mean, it's, yes. uh, you know, people can read it, but you just take it like one, one piece at a time. <laughs> um, it's not rocket science, but I've had the honor to read the book. Uh, it has a lot of wisdom in that book. Um, what triggered you? to start to think about purpose hurt, uh, before actually writing the book. What, what was the root cause of wanting to get this message out and what is it? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, if you think about, if I look at back at my life progress, it kind of started with religion. Religions, they tend to give you a ready-made purpose. So you don't need to think about the purpose of your life. Hell, yeah, here's is dictated in a sense. Then I went from that to business where you need to use your mind and look at different things. Uh, and then at one point I had, you know, like you mentioned, a near-death near experience where uh, during like a medical procedure, my heart stopped uh, for a while. And, and that kind of uh, forces you to start thinking, like, wait, wait a second. I mean, if I 
died, I never came back. What was the purpose of my life? And, and the more important question is, well, now that I'm back here, what should be the purpose of my life? And, you know, in, instead of like when, when you cannot accept ready-made answers, you got to go through that process yourself to find the right answers that, that fit with you. And that kind of like took me through this long, long experience that combined, you know, spirituality with physics and quantum physics and uh, engineering principles and mathematics, so psychology, neuroscience, and it basically became a process. I, you know, I believe everything in existence has a process. You just look at nature. So why something so important like finding the purpose of our, of our life, we don't we don't see a process for it. So that was my goal here is to, to look at the process that I can through it, figure out the purpose of my life and uh, then start sharing that with the friends, then doing like some workshops. And then I'm like, okay, let me take the time to put it all in writing. So okay. this book became kind of the basis, the philosophical basis for this, but it's, it's not just theory. It has like the first part is, uh, is, is like three parts. So the first part is like a theory of what is existential purpose and what is the purpose of everything. And then the next part is 27 um, thoughts that you each one should spend some time on to help them grow their existential intelligence. You know, one of the 10 intelligences identified by Howard Gardner. And then, um, uh, and then the last part is all about practical things that you can do to actually uh, increase your uh, um, uh, existential intelligence, to find the purpose of your life, and to live that, which results automatically in happiness, success, and fulfillment. Now, this makes me curious in the sense that uh, you matter-of-factly state, okay, I experienced a personal crisis and I needed to, and I, I put my thoughts down in the book because these, these are thoughts I wanted to share with the world. I want to, uh, to do good. Um, now I know a number of other people who experienced a similar crisis, but that's where it stopped. They just uh, thought about their own life and what they could do differently. So it, it changed them as a person. But you took it upon you not only to have these thoughts and draw these conclusions for yourself, <clears throat> but also start to share that with your environment. <coughs> Why was that? That's a good question. So I, I'm not sure that people who do like go through their personal transformation, <laughs> by the way, a crisis does not have to be only a near death, right? I mean, you know, sometimes you lose your job. Sometimes you uh, uh, you feel ill. Uh, you get a divorce. Whatever it is, you know. Sometimes, and these you realize these are just gifts, you know, that we have for for us to uh, pause, to pause and think about these existential questions. You know, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What am I meant to be and become? So. I think, and, and if you go through that yourself and you transform yourself, I think that's, you're already transforming the world by transforming yourself because we don't live in caves, right? I mean, if you go through that yourself, well, maybe I expressed it in a book, but other people express it in their own life 
And that automatically impacts their families, their coworkers, their neighbors, their relationships. So, you know, maybe I, I did it in a little bit more uh, uh, aggressively, you know, by putting it there in writing. But each one who goes through this uh, personal transformation, they automatically end up transforming the whole world for us. You know, just like a ripple effects, you know, it starts with this small circles, but it's going to continue and it's going to continue till the end of time. So, yeah, I mean, you, should, you shouldn't feel bad if you went through that transformation, but you didn't write a book. Okay. But now if you can write a book and or, or share it with others, I mean, it's an additional acceleration of, uh, of your experience. Uh, agreed. No, except there, there, there are lots of ways to, to share that. Now, my understanding of the book Purposehood is to <clears throat> change people who live an unintentional life to a life with purpose. Yeah. The people who <clears throat> haven't seen the light in that perspective, do you see that as wasteful or is that okay with you? Well, I mean, with me, it's irrelevant, but with existence, you know, is that okay with existence? I think existence or the universe or, you know, nature will adjust regardless of what people do. And we see that, I mean, nature has lots of arsenal on its side. You know, when you, when it's, she's fed up with, with this, sends you a Corona, you know, and then everybody is hiding in their house or something like that. So uh, with nature will adjust, but I think the, the challenge is for you as a person. When you are not living an intentional life, you're living as a product of labels that you inherited at birth that we had no choice in, a nationality, a religion, a religious sect, uh, 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 you know, a place that you didn't choose any of these stuff. They were given to you. And then the labels that put on you by your parents, by the society, and then you have these expectations of other people, you know, that we live by, and you end up also adding to that limiting beliefs, and this leads an unintentional life. So that will will lead to a suffering, you know, the suffering that people feel, and that that uh, contradiction that they have with existence. Yeah. That so it's very important to rearrange all that in an intentional way, first for yourself, because that will give you the true meaning in life, the, the true happiness, the feeling of success and fulfillment before anything else. Amar, I have to ask you, were those labels also put on you and did you suffer from those labels in your uh, past? Absolutely, all of us. I mean, like we're all born with these labels. It took me a long time and lots of challenge to get rid of my own labels. So I, I took part of those 11 years until today you know, I'm fighting with these labels and, and question them, you know. So I like my r recent things, though, I used to have, I remember one time I had on my LinkedIn, a Syrian American engineer, YPO or whatever, blah, blah, you know. I'm like, my God, each one of those is a chain that you put on yourself, right? Because every time you say something, a label means you are not anything else. You're just that. So you box in yourself with all these little things. So I start removing all those consciously one by one. So now I say, you know, I'm not Syrian. I was born in Syria. You know, I'm not uh, American. I have American citizenship. I'm not, you know, a YPOer. I, I 
I uh, I'm a member of YPO. Okay. You know? Oh, for those of people who are not familiar with YPO, could you please explain what YPO is? Uh, YPO is a beautiful uh, organization of uh, chief executives from around the world, and they have a shared purpose, which is uh, becoming a better leader through idea exchange. So they have around 30,000 CEOs from around the world uh, who try to better each other by sharing ideas. Now, we're almost at the end of the interview, Omar. Uh, if people in the audience are triggered by what you've just shared and uh, they want to find their purpose, uh, what could they do to get there? How can uh, you help or what kind of advice can you give them? Well, today, the, 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 the hard way is to read this book. <coughs> Good. So okay. it's, uh, I mean, that's something that's available to everybody. We did uh, set up like a Purposehood Foundation, which is uh, with the goal to help everybody find the purpose of their life and then live that purpose. I developed also a course that uh, I've been teaching now that hopefully will make it now more available. Uh, okay. Uh, and also training other teachers to teach that particular course. It's a process that you go over 48 weeks, but only you spend the three hours a week in that process, which allows you to reflect on every aspect of your life, creating your values, et cetera, uh, and truly have at the end of that uh, a life worth living. So it's uh, the process we call it engineering your life. So. Uh, so I think that's what we could do. We have a website. It's not, it's all done by volunteers. So uh, it, it will get better, purposehood.org. Uh, yeah, and we have like a little mobile app on iOS. I think that talks you through like writing yes. your purposehood statement. Okay, so there's a purposehood app uh, on iOS. There's a website. We'll make sure to include that in the, the comments of this interview. Um, hey, two more questions from Art. Now, do my research on uh, your background. I saw you actually follow quite a lot of influencers on LinkedIn. <clears throat> so I just that brought me to the question: Who are actually the the, the people who inspire you? Uh, just to be honest about LinkedIn, I mean, I I hardly go on social media, not a lot, so I, I limit that uh, yeah. a lot. So sometimes I'm, yeah, I don't know who I follow in there, but. Uh, I think once you realize the one concept that I talk about in the book, oneness of existence, that yeah. we are really, there's no me and you and, and uh, a dog and a tree. And it's just like the existence is just one thing. And once you realize that, then I think you can find lessons in everyday encounter, everyday encounter. I mean, you could literally just look at an ant, you know, working and just that becomes a, a role model. And, and you, uh, just understand certain things that you, you didn't see before. So I think one could learn from any experience that they encounter, as long as they have respect uh, for the other that they are watching. I mean, most people now, they follow these big names because they have respect for it. But if you have the same respect, you show the same respect to a cat, you sit and watch that cat for a little bit, you're gonna learn as much lessons from that cat than, uh, as, as from a big guru, you know? That's very sound advice indeed. Brings me to a question. You've invested in so many companies. You still manage uh, big corporations at the moment. Uh, you talk about purposehood. You've written a book. Makes me to ask the question, what's your 
secret in time management? How do you cope with all those activities? Yeah, I don't manage any particular company myself now. I sit on the board of most okay. of these companies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I used to have like everybody else, I have problem with time. You know, you never have enough time until I had that clarity of my existential purpose. And once you have that clarity, actually you'll find that you have plenty of time. Why? Because we're so distracted with the things that are not important for us, things that actually take us away from our uh, existential purpose, from our purposehood. But the moment that you know that direction, then it becomes very easy for us to say no to distractions. And you start realizing that, oh my God, you know, anything that I encounter, even like this interview, you know, you asked me for that, I asked myself, would, you know, spending that hour with, with Fritz will, will take me toward my purposehood or away from my purposehood? And if the answer is away from my purposehood, I would, with respect, say, no, I cannot do it. But if it takes me toward my purposehood, I say yes. So all of a sudden, tons of things disappeared from my radar. And now I have more space and time to uh, do the things that I really advanced me toward what I'm here to do. Well, on behalf of the brand called you, I definitely going to take your last comment as a great compliment. So thank you for sharing that. Thank and uh, so Amar, um, I really hope we've made a lot of people curious about purposehood, how it could help them. Uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts on um, your vision on an experience on uh, being an enterprise or social enterprise or not. And uh, again, um, thank you for your time, making time for us. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be with you and talk to this uh, amazing audience. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.